You're listening to the B Fox and B Frank show. And for the first time since 1980, your Georgia Bulldogs are national champions of the college football world. 33-18 winners of the rematch against Alabama and Indianapolis on Monday nights. We saw how good Georgia was all season, um, but I still think there was doubt in the mind of many that the Bulldogs could finally get over the hump, finally shake Alabama off of them, um, but they're able to do that behind a great second-half performance. Yeah, absolutely. Credit to Georgia. I mean, the Georgia defense was phenomenal throughout this game, really making plays when they needed to, uh, a bend-don't-break mentality, which I think is the exact opposite of what we saw in that SEC championship game where Alabama was able to come back and win handily. But it seemed really that any time Georgia may have made a mistake or uh, really not taken advantage of an opportunity and, and it opened the door for Alabama, the tide just didn't seem to have it, you know, outside of the interesting I guess controversial fumble call late in the game. I thought it was a fumble um, based on all the replays. It seemed like it was impossible to overturn that, but you know, people argue about it forever just, just because, but Stetson Bennett gets a lot of credit in this game as he should. He, he made the big plays when they needed to. And, and again, we just saw the team that was the best for all but one game this season came through and ended up winning the championship. And I think that's how it should be, you know, that Georgia was the best throughout the entire year. We had said many times that it didn't seem like there was anyone close. Alabama had struggled with a lot of teams that they really shouldn't have and, and lost to an A&M team that frankly was okay. And at the end of the day, we get to crown Georgia and, you know, just happy for Tom Crean of, uh, among all those folks out there. But no, uh, really the, the Georgia faithful and like, that that defense truly deserved it. Not that the offense didn't, but the, the defense was just so superb all year long. Absolutely. And, I mean, that fumble recovery was of the most nonchalant uh, things I've yeah. ever seen. Um, I, I, was, I was shocked when they were going through the replay and saw uh, that Alabama was able to get the ball and actually be in the field of play. Um, didn't think that was possible, but Despite that, despite the uh, scoop and score that got overturned correctly, so right out of the gates, uh, Georgia was able to overcome that and win. And we saw what happened in the SEC championship game. Alabama is focused on getting Bryce Young moving, looking down the field, because there was going to be no avenue to run the ball. Alabama had 28 carries for 30 yards. So that was snuffed out pretty quickly. Um, but Georgia was bringing the heat all night and bringing the pressure um, because they knew no Mechie, um, which was not the case for the entire SEC championship game. And then Williams going down early too, which mm-hmm. really made Nick Saban go deeper into the depth chart. And it's kind of a, it's a double-edged sword because I know these are four and five star guys, but we are, at the same time, talking about guys that don't really have a lot of game action. Um, I mean, Hall was one of the bigger targets for the remainder of the evening, finished two catches for 52 yards, had two catches coming into the game on the season as a freshman, and you could kind of tell one of the key sequences of the game 
a pretty brutal drop yeah um in the red zone alabama ends up having to settle for a field goal try that gets blocked and then georgia marches down the field and that that's kind of where the game turned for me um and you know georgia just kept pouring it on after that and i mean a, a quarterback as good as bryce young struggles against your defense you're doing a lot of things right yeah i mean he won the heisman for a reason he was so good throughout the year and it really felt like Alabama went away from things that were working. I, I know we mentioned that the run game really never got going, but there were flashes there where whether it was short routes out of the backfield or something, check down routes were working to Robinson. He he was having an impact early in that second half. And I think once they went away from that is when we saw Georgia's defense really lock in. It, it became you don't have the weapons anymore essentially is what Georgia was saying to Alabama. So we're just going to play coverage and and we're going to beat you that way. We're going to bring the linebackers. We're going to bring the blitz. We're going to run stunts up front, just get as much pressure on that, on your quarterback as we can. And that's what they did. And they saw huge success with that. Yeah. So now Kirby smart um, snaps the, Drought again, first national title since 1980. Um, but unfortunately, in terms of playoff expansion, we have hit a bit of a snag. It seems like we are further apart than than ever before. We just the college football playoff committee, for whatever reason, um, is just stuck at four. The early reports of potentially going to a 12 team playoff seem to have been. Uh, released into the ether prematurely um, mm. because we're we're back at this point of frustration. But expansion is good. If we were in the BCS era, Georgia would not even have had a seat at the table. Um, so I, I think it's an SEC team, but the, this at least I feel helps push the narrative a little further. Um, so hopefully we can we can get that going in the next couple of years. Yeah, and I mean, I am surprised and I'm not surprised at the same time when you look at the playoff committee and uh, them kind of dragging their feet. Like, look at the the chairman of the playoff committee on stage. He looked like he was 250 years old presenting the trophy to Kirby Smart in Georgia. Like, no wonder the game is stuck in the Stone Age, essentially. Yeah, I mean, I think just as... Just as likely to go back to having like just everyone plays in a bowl and then we'll just go back to having disputed national titles. Um, yeah. But would prefer that didn't happen. Like literally every other level of football, we have larger playoffs. This is the one holdout. Um, so let's let's give the people what they want. Exactly. More more high leverage football is always a good thing, and then people can have less opportunity to complain about guys opting out so everybody mm-hmm. wins exactly so that's a wrap on uh college football for this season um it was great for georgia disappointing for many who started the season with high hopes but we are uh we're in an off season that still promises to see a lot of change in terms of commits in the transfer portal um you know late swoops, coaching changes. So a lot still to 
work itself out before we can really get a clear picture of who will be contending next season. But the very minimum, Nick Saban will be up there. Kirby Smart and Georgia will be up there. Um, you know, you crank out number one recruiting class after number one recruiting class. That's basically a given. Um, but the rest of the the top ten and beyond still kind of have to to wait and see. And I mean, that's part of the fun every season. Who thought we'd see Wake Forest make as much yeah. noise as they did um, among other teams? But great season, and uh, I mean, congrats to Georgia again. Yeah, I, I'm not excited to try and figure out where everyone transferred to in a few months, but I love that they can transfer. <laughs> I think that's the caveat I'll put out there. So it's going to be real fun to do the preseason research is basically what I'm saying. That's a real double-edged sword too. Um, it's like, you know, continuity could be lacking, but at the same time, if you have a bad season, the opportunity to bounce back very yeah. fast, a la Michigan State this year. Like, we're going to see more and more cases like that, I think. Um, you know, turning around a program or rebuilding will not be as drawn out a process as it used to be. And I think mm-hmm. that's for the benefit of everyone. Definitely. So we're all at college basketball the rest of the season. And it's another... Super, super Tuesday as we're recording this. Uh, we just saw Bill Walton uh, call USC lose their first game of the season. So not quite getting to the the best start in school history that the 1910 Trojans did at 17-0. As Billy shared during the broadcast, uh, they start with 13 straight wins, lose at Stanford. Not a great loss, but won't hold against them too much. Anyway, we are still having some uh, some COVID breakthrough uh, cases. Providence, the latest, um, they will not be playing as we record this tonight against Creighton. But for the most part, we are having fewer and fewer cancellations to the benefit of us, the fans. There's a lot of high-quality basketball um, coming in again now that Football is over. It's going to take center stage, uh, both on this show and in the national eye of mm-hmm. college sports. And I mean, last week was a great preview. This week's going to be another great one. Um, but looking back on last week, I had a lot of winners. I was feeling nice. Um, but I think I think a big winner we should probably start with is uh, a team traditionally more known for its football, but that's fallen off. It's the Miami Hurricanes. Yeah. Jim Laranega, still there. People forget. Uh, but getting a two-point win over Duke, but more than that, nine straight wins coming into tonight against Florida State. 5-0 and start in the ACC. And we knew they had a lot of talent on the perimeter, and now they are just small-balling teams to death. Yeah, this, this kind of coincides. I have, spoiler alert, I have the ACC as a loser, but... Miami is also a winner at this point. Um, There's just a lot of interesting pieces on this team, and I think they got rid of or were able to really turn over the roster the way they wanted to. Obviously, Isaiah Wong is still there. Cam McGusty, who's seemingly been in college, like quietly, I think, been one of those like all-time college guys where he's been around forever. Um, It feels like five years ago he was – a senior at Oklahoma and he's still somehow at Miami, but 
You've got another one of those guys in 12th year senior, Charlie Moore, who's been really good. Um, and, and they just have different pieces that step up each and every night. They don't shoot the three very well, but they attack the basket very well. They don't turn it over. They play solid defense. I mean, th- this is a fun Miami team to watch, I think is the nicest way to put it. And I think that's what conceivably makes it a little more sustainable. They're not just chucking. Uh, it's a lot of just using their quickness, and they just kept beating Duke off the dribble. Yeah, so they've been doing on this winning streak. Uh, it was definitely a slow start to the season. Getting new pieces, um, you know, together like more like Jordan Miller, um, Augusty been there already uh, after transferring from Oklahoma. But yeah, it's uh, there. There's not a ton of consistency interior production uh, so that's something that you know other teams can potentially create a mismatch against Miami but when Miami has the ball and they're attacking they're out in space um, able to just drive around just about anybody with ease it, it really evens the stakes and yeah you know the cynic will see their third in luck right now uh, per Ken Palm but I'm choosing to look past that as a glass half full guy that I am and just it's a weak ACC. Like there was bound to be a team like this, um, have a very hot start to conference play and they will no doubt cool off, but they have now played their way squarely into the NCAA tournament conversation, especially with the, the road win at Duke, which is far and away the best possible win you can get in conference this year. Yeah. They have trouble defensively, but like you said, they're scoring the ball, which they can do well from at least two levels, maybe not a great three-point shooting team, as I mentioned before, but they've got enough guys, they've got enough experienced guys to know how to play in these tight games, how to close out games, how to really, when your shot's not falling, figure out how to get to the basket and attack and get to the free throw line and things like that. And that is really what we saw on display against Duke. And we've seen a lot of teams this year that have struggled um, with, you know, new faces, transfers, guys who have been primary scorers, ball handlers, um, used to that kind of struggle with adjusting to roles. Miami hasn't really had that happen, um, you know, since the new year. Uh, Certainly they've, they've really been sharing the ball well and, you know, been meshing extremely well together, which just makes life even more difficult for, opposing defenses. So Jim Laranaga is a a heck of a coach. He's been doing this for a while. Um, Mm -hmm. So no surprise that he has found a way to get Miami back into ACC relevancy. Um, But yeah, it's uh, everyone loves to see some adversity thrown in the, the coach K farewell tour could make the finale even sweeter. It's, I mean, he's writing the script seemingly. Who else do you have for a winner from last week? I am going to, believe it or not, I, I have the ACC as a loser, but I'm going to also throw Notre Dame in the winning column. Okay. Um, There's a lot of teams in the conference. Yeah. Uh, win over Georgia Tech and North Carolina. The North Carolina one obviously does a lot more, but suddenly, quietly, seemingly out of nowhere, this Notre Dame team is top three in the ACC, and they are... Not pl- they're not in the conversation yet, but they are getting towards that conversation of being an at-large team. They have a lot of work to do, tons of just, I think, issues in general with this team. And metrically, they aren't 
very good, but they can keep winning. They need to add some road wins, and they might just be able to find themselves in the conversation. Right now, their net's in the mid-80s at 86. They're going to have to do a little more than that, get a couple quad one, quad two wins specifically on the road, and all of a sudden, they could be back. But hey, someone picked them as a dark horse on this show to contend for the ACC title, and they look primed to do that right now. They're right in that sleeper territory, I was just going to say. Um, yeah, it's five wins in a row. The offense, has, honestly, has cooled off a little bit after the start of the season, but they have been a lot more locked in defensively than the last five years of Mike Bray teams. Um, you know, this is potential talking points that reflect what we say when Iowa starts playing well every year. But that's why when you start defending better, you start seeing better results. Um, and yeah, the, the two big wins right now, Kentucky, North Carolina, they're going to have to find a way to add more resume wins, which is tough in ACC in its current states. Um, but I think the bigger thing right now is just avoiding any more bad losses, which those are a lot easier to come by um, just with the frequency with which you play bad teams in the ACC. Um, but as long as they take care of the teams that they're supposed to and and pick off a couple other, I don't know who else would be considered a, a good team, but, you know, maybe some wins over the likes of, you know, Florida State. Um, certainly Duke would help, um, but there's right now only one team Virginia that is a home quad one win in the ACC, and that is Duke. Right? Yeah. Um, on the road, you've got six teams: Florida State, Clemson, Wake Forest, um, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, and Duke. And Florida State is right at 70. So assuming they played today and Notre Dame won on the road at Florida State, that bounces down to a quad two win. So it's not there's not much help there. Yeah, Miami, Florida State playing tonight. So maybe Miami will keep the streak alive and push Florida State even further down. Um, yeah. But yeah, like it's, it's far from the typical ACC. It's more about avoiding bad losses than it is gobbling up the quality wins because there just aren't as many to be had. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm going to exit the ACC for the first time today, go over to Texas Tech. Yep. Big, big win over Kansas. Uh, we saw earlier in the week they had very ugly affair against Iowa State. Uh, they only had seven guys, lost 51-47 on the road. Come back. Play Kansas, still missing uh, their top two scores, McCullers and uh, Terrence Shannon. Dominates Kansas in the paints, uh, 44-18 points to the paints, able to play that that physical brand of defense they love so much and get a win over what has been a, a very good Jayhawk team uh, for much of the season. So this is great news for Baylor, certainly, um, but also – news for Texas Tech that they're able to put together a performance like this far from their best possible lineup or roster. Yeah, and honestly, the hope for me at least is that Texas Tech realizes, hey, we don't need to shoot the three to win basketball games because they're not very good from beyond the arc. No. They were just four of 16 in this game from three-point range. Uh, shot over 50% from the field overall, though, and 
you've got guys that can attack the rim that can get into that mid-range game and that is exactly what they need to do add that to their points in the paint and really they they should have a chance outside of i would say outside of texas and maybe oklahoma i don't see too many teams that really cause any problems in the uh paint defensively there's no real and i say this hesitantly because i don't have the stats off the top of my head but it doesn't i can't think of any one team in the big 12 that really is a uh an elite paint protecting team i i think you always got to throw baylor in that that conversation um but they they just do just about everything well uh, i think yeah other than that like yeah, yeah. It, I don't think there's any real impediment to Texas Tech looking to go inside each and every game they've got. They've got the talent in there. You know, even a team like Texas, which does fancy itself a team with several good big men, like there are buckets to be had. Um, Oklahoma so yeah, State, I, that's who I forgot. Yeah. Um, but even that, like I would – I would still be confident Texas Tech being able to find a way to to get the shots they want and right. impose their will a little bit. But yep, yeah, like everyone is going to try to take that away. That's that's the difficult thing. You just have to not be lulled into, tempted into taking the the open shots that you know you're going to get because right opponents know you won't make them. Yeah, exactly. But also throw Auburn in there, another another team playing after we record this. So hopefully they keep the streak riding. But as like of rec- last week, yeah, we, <laughs> we'll we'll figure it out. Um, Eleven straight wins, only one loss on the season. Uh, beat South Carolina and Florida by double digits last week. Of course, we talked about it on last week's show. Gave LSU its only loss this season in uh, pretty dominant fashion and right now only team at three and in the sec um looking definitely in my opinion the team to beat yeah they they look good they are fun to watch jabari smith is an absolute star like this kid is so good um bruce pearl continues to do a great job down there katie johnson's been playing well walker kessler has as we've talked about all season long basically had a resurgence and really been what we expected him to be at north carolina now we're starting to see that here at auburn um they've got some fun pieces and and obviously their style of play is just fun to watch meanwhile the other you know two teams or two notable teams in the sec that run or are the same style same stylistically have really been struggling Hey, you just need to give Walker Kessler minutes. Um, and that's familiar why he left Roy Williams, North Carolina. It's the log jam there. But now he's thriving. He and Smith are combining for 25 and 14 between the two of them per game. And that's just extremely hard to overcome as an opponent considering. And five blocks. There is, yeah, there's a lot more talent uh, up and down the roster on top of just those guys. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, it's. Bruce Pearl has definitely found the formula. Uh, so it's it, it's going to be seemingly a, a new team in the SEC every week. Um, so just jockeying for position in, in what should be probably the most entertaining uh, conference title race over the rest of the season. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, so with that in mind, I'm obligated to mention LSU as well. 
uh, because we were not nice last week. But they are <laughs> they bounced back pretty nicely, uh, swept two ranked teams, Kentucky and Tennessee, and it, it's just again got got a double double from Eason, uh, which was nice. But it, it's just defense, defense, defense. We talked about how embarrassed they were against Auburn. Auburn scored 70 points in that game. Only team to reach that mark against LSU this season. Um, So consistency on that side of the ball is not a problem in the slightest. It's just going to be, can they score consistently? Uh, Because there are definitely going to be some more uh, games offensively in the 50s, low 60s. The defense will keep them in it, but in crunch time situations, can they get enough buckets to win? They're able to close out Kentucky um, and kind of answer that question initially. So, you know, very, very good bounce back week after being punched in the mouth for the first time against Auburn. Yeah, they and they really didn't shoot free throws well against Kentucky. So that made this a closer game than it probably should have been. But defensively, I mean, they are. They're the top team in Kempom defensively, and they are that for a reason. Incredibly active, getting passing lanes, long and athletic defensively. Um, honestly, my biggest concern if I'm LSU, yes, like who who is going to be that shot maker is, is certainly a problem and still a question at this point. They just don't shoot the ball well in general. They turn it over a ton, though, and I think that's the bigger issue because – when you are playing that high-level defense and you're not hitting jump shots, it is, as we've seen, a, a recipe for disaster when it all goes wrong because there will be games this season where they're not making shots and they are turning the ball over uh, at, a, at a high clip. So limit turnovers is probably the, the biggest thing that we need to see from this team to really catapult them into that conversation of SEC champion Final Four type team. Yeah, that's the one thing you can't afford is live ball turnovers if you are a team that's so reliant on defense because that's the only way you give up buckets before your defense is able to set in the half court. Um, So those two things go pretty much hand in hand. um, So you don't want to gift uh, too many free buckets to guys. But yeah, I mean, that Auburn was able to to lock down LSU defensively. No one's been able to do it to a degree that the Tigers aren't able to eke out a win, but a lot more tough games are coming. Uh, but it's it's great to see not only two wins, but two ranked wins um, right after that. And, you know, a lot more positive momentum to ride going forward. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I will give the Ramblers a shout out. Yep. Loyola. Uh, Two pronged, really. Shout out to San Francisco as well for coming yep. together, uh, playing this game last minute um, in Salt Lake City, neutral game between two at large quality uh, tournament teams. And then credits to Loyola for getting a, a 79 74 win. Um, but scheduling on the fly between, you know, two of the best mid-majors in the in the uh, country wouldn't have been a bad loss for either. Um, and just really good job by Loyola of continuing to build a, a very strong tournament resume. Yeah, big-time big win. Really high-quality game. Um, really funny that they played this at Salt Lake Community College of all places. But, hey, 
when you need a game, you need a game. And I think this is a really good idea and move for these two type teams. Because if you look at, I mean, Loyola needed the game, in my opinion. Uh, they needed something else to boost that tournament resume because, unfortunately, the Missouri Valley just isn't going to give them those opportunities, at least not this year. And even so, assuming they don't win and need their that resume to be polished, you're not getting or you're you're losing games in the league, which is hurting your resume on the other on the flip side. So they needed this. Um and I think just a hats off in general because both teams played at an extremely high level. So it wasn't like a, a you know one of those sloppy these two teams should be in the tournament because they're good. We swear kind of games. It's like, watch this and tell me they're not tournament quality teams. Right. It, it wasn't just a good game because it was close. It was, right. it was actually good basketball, um, which is an important distinction to those who may have watched Iowa state, Texas tech earlier in the week. Um, who else do you have? I don't want to give them the shout out, but I'm going to give Wisconsin the shout out. Um, The win over Purdue was great. They looked phenomenal. They played well um, all around. I don't know that they deserve the credit they're getting for beating a winless in the big 10 Maryland team who really hasn't done much. Um, So yes, beating Purdue is obviously an impressive win and it is well worth the the plaudits that come with it the back end they narrowly avoided in my opinion what would have been a bad loss definitely and and maryland's a a pretty tough team to read right now um in the big 10 like and i forgot iowa iowa's in there too jesus yeah yeah uh the the iowa one I, i think definitely carries a little more weight for wisconsin but yeah, Maryland's got narrow losses to to Maryland, Iowa. Um, they do have a, a twelve point loss to Kofi Coburn and Illinois, and then the the loss to Northwestern is really what stands out. First game of the Danny Manning era, however yeah. long it may go. Um, next game's against Northwestern, so have to bounce back with a win there. Otherwise, like, watch out. Woof. Um, can, can you fire an interim coach midseason? Will we find out? No, there's, there's <laughs> no way. Um, but who knows? Um, yeah, I I had a, a couple of quick Big Ten shoutouts. Illinois, yeah, a uh, Kofi's got seven straight double doubles, playing like a national player of the year uh, candidate that he is. Um, and Hoosiers bounced back. Trace just stuffed EJ Liddell in a body bag, 27 and 12 um, on Thursday. And then shockingly, they did not have a letdown um, this Sunday matinee against Minnesota. So Indiana's back to receiving votes, still undefeated in the suit. Let's keep it rolling. That's that's the analytics that matter. Yeah, um, yeah I, I agree on Illinois. Kofi's playing well, really opening things up. They're they're able to hit threes now, which is something they seemingly could not do earlier in the season. Look at that. They're 4-0 in Big Ten play. And uh, yeah, Indiana, great, great win against um, Ohio State, a team that I think is a Final Four contender for sure uh, at this point in the year. Yeah, and like, you take that game away, EJ Liddell is playing like a national player of the year, but yeah, 
you can't watch that game and not immediately fault trace up there. Um, but just one man's opinion. Uh, we like to give all angles here, folks. We do. We do. I'd say I was critical last week. Yeah, you were. Uh, bounce back. Um, fair and balanced. That's, that's what we're known for here. We are. Uh, last one I had was Villanova. Just uh, not not lingering and getting some big time revenge on Creighton. The 34 point victory that was never even that close. Um, so Villanova confirmed still dangerous. Say to report. Believe believe it or not, <laughs> although they did trail at DePaul at the half uh, at the weekend, and then obviously turned it on and and made plays, but. They are still susceptible. They are good, though. Confirmed. They did. I it, it made me voluntarily watch DePaul basketball in the middle of a jammed college basketball Saturday. So credit to both teams there. And um, to whichever of Michigan and Michigan State had the game canceled because, oh my God. <laughs> because that game got vaulted to Fox because of it. That's true. That Yeah. That was that was more exhausting discourse I could have done without. <laughs> Just those those fan bases going at each other, um, conspiracy theories run amok. But yeah, good good for the little guy DePaul. Just playing playing on the big stage, but not winning. Oh well. Back to own four as uh, we are all we've all known them so well. Yep. <laughs> um. All right. So. Who's your big loser from last week? It's Michigan. <laughs> Believe it or not, I did not intend the segue that way, but I'm going to go with Michigan. Um, man, this team, so many high hopes to start the season. I mean, we're talking national champion contender, and they are really in the middle of it, not playing well. Um They've called off their second game a couple days ago, so they they have postponed the games with Michigan State and Purdue. Read into it however you want, but they have lost three of their last four. The only win is against Southern Utah. They've lost two road games and really didn't look very competitive in either one, including one to Rutger, who is a confirmed average at best team. And they're they're in trouble because they're heading to red hot Illinois next. If they, if that game gets postponed, then I think, you know, we, we might have something here where there's smoke, there's fire. But until that point, they, I mean, they are on absolutely thin ice. The good news for them is there are plenty of opportunities still left in big 10 play, especially if they can get that Michigan state and Purdue game uh, rescheduled. But, they they need wins and they need wins badly right now. Was it Illinois who they did not play because of COVID last year? Yes, and okay. that's how they got the title. Yeah, and well, it's it, the outcome the, the, of they, that decision was that thing. I don't yeah. I don't want anything from anyone here. I'm just saying the game got canceled and then Michigan won the title. Was awarded the regular season title. No, I'm I'm just remembering back for myself from like the yeah. seemingly hundreds of tweets from Spartan fans on Saturday. It's like, all right, that happened, and then Michigan <laughs> avoiding Ohio State last year, avoiding in air quotes. Forget this is an audio show. Um, 
And then, yeah. So pe people were not happy on, no. on both sides. But it's different than last year. These games will be rescheduled, um, presumably. But, yeah, it's uh, Tom Izzo took it well. I think everyone else can, too, and mm -hmm. uh, can move on. So it's my it's my pep talk to America. Yeah. The 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 important part of all of this is simply that Michigan is not playing good basketball right now. They are not. That is inarguable. Uh throw Texas on there. Yeah. Speaking of uh teams struggling to score against Oklahoma State. But Despite, you know, playing well defensively in general, Oklahoma State just not having a good season for reasons we've mentioned before. Um, and the postseason ban is is not insignificant, um, but pretty, pretty poor offensive team, very good defensive team, held Texas to 51 points. But, I mean, Texas just did not look good in their own right. Part of that is, is credit to the Cowboys, but this is a trend of just not attacking the baskets. Um, second game in a row, no free throws in the first half, only took seven in, in the game. And what did they get for settling for jump shots? They got six for 22 shooting from the perimeter. So just not playing winning basketball at all and just really settling for what Oklahoma State was trying to give them. It's not... Not good for Chris Beard. Yeah, and, and without Trey Mitchell, this team is incredibly lost. I mean, he he really is the motor of this team, and, and so much of the offense runs through him. Having obviously seen them play live this year, it, it's incredible what he can do and just how much he does and means to this team offensively. Um, defensively, I'm not that concerned. Um, but you, you have to wonder, at this point, they are... 12 and three, their best win is West Virginia, probably, who is okay. Um, their, their three, their, their big tests were Seton Hall and Gonzaga, and they lost both of those games. Um, and now add a loss to Oklahoma State. Like they, they really don't have much to write home about. I guess the Stanford win ages well now that Stanford's beaten USC. But again, once again, we see a team going off of preseason hype, going off of maybe even name recognition that is in the top 25 for some reason that is beyond me at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, Chris Beard teams are always going to be solid defensively. It's just finding consistent offense. And yeah, I mean, if, if Trey Mitchell is out, especially doing that, um, and really not something we expected to be a concern because of, how much potential star power and existing star power they brought in um, and transfers to really revamp the entire roster. Um, but it's been better in theory than practice. Um, a lot of people were crowning Texas in the offseason and been bad offensively, um, just not as strong as they've been on the defensive side of the courts. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, going up against a very good defensive team in Oklahoma state, I feel like they got exposed just a little bit. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, Providence, another team 
whose fortunes changed swiftly. Uh, just right after I could not stop saying enough nice things about them, they go and lose by 32 at Marquette. Um, so good job. Now the Friars are shut down uh, due to COVID. So hopefully they come back on the other side of that stronger, but uh, very, very rough uh, week. You know, we're able to bounce back at the win over St. John's, but uh, the Marquette loss is, is one you're going to be thinking about for a while. Yeah, it's a tough one, especially when you consider the position they were in that we talked about, you know, at length last week, 3-0 and in Big East play, or 2-0 and in Big East play, 3-0 and in Big East play, um, or excuse me, 2-0, and had the chance to move to 3-0 and and really continue to to take that step in and take the lead in the conference. And now all of a sudden, as you mentioned, Villanova playing some really good basketball right now, and they are both tied atop the league at four and one. So you had your chance to, to maybe put a little distance between you and the team that has dominated this league since realignment and you, you just couldn't do it. So um, big, big, big stretch coming once they come off of this pause, depending on when it is, they've got UConn and Seton Hall coming up very shortly if they are able to postpone those games, then they've got a much nicer look with Georgetown and Butler to ease them back in. But then you're pushing in games all over the the month of February, and there's already plenty going on right there. And, and the silver line in here is it is already a, an easier stretch than it could be because you're not playing the the road game at Creighton um, right before UConn and Seton Hall. Um, yeah. So. Maybe it'll get tougher after all the games get moved around, but yeah, uh, right now that's that's all you can really hang your hat on. Just burn the tape from last week and, and try to come back healthy as soon as possible. Exactly. Uh, got a got a shout out for Jimmy Tech. I think it's been a year of disappointing teams in the ACC for the conference at large. Virginia Tech might be the most disappointing. They are now 0-3, uh, just had a, a home loss to NC State. And, I mean, the the metrics still really like them, but I, I'm having a hard time finding confidence in Mike Young's team. Uh, as, as talented as they are, um, a lot of people in preseason thinking, you know, worst case, top five in the ACC, and that's thinking – when the ACC was projected to be a lot better than we know it to be. Um, but mm-hmm. it's a, uh, it's a team that you, you just can't really identify what they do that well um, to get themselves out of this slump. Um, and again, if you're, you're hanging out at the bottom of the ACC with Georgia tech, still zero wins on the year, um, you know, with, with some bona fide star power on your roster in Aluma and others, like that's uh that's panic button time. Yeah, the, they're in uh they're in a tough ways at this point. And this was a team I really liked preseason. I know I was not alone. There there were a lot of folks that uh, pointed to them and really said, look, they got a lot of good returning pieces, a lot of interesting guys, and it fits. Like it just fits what Mike Young's trying to do now. They are definitely searching. Granted, two of the losses are to Duke and then 
probably the biggest surprise of the, or, well, I guess Miami's the biggest surprise of the ACC, but the second biggest surprise in Wake Forest, who's also had a really good basketball season thus far. You've got to get wins soon because you've got four of your next five on the road, Virginia, North Carolina State, Boston College, and North Carolina all on the road with just Notre Dame at home. And though, as we mentioned, the Irish have won five in a row. So it's not getting easier in a bad conference, but if they can pick up a couple of wins here, maybe go three and two through this stretch, that should be enough to boost them back up for a back end of the schedule that is very light and very friendly to the home home side. Uh, th- thing for me, though, is Wake Forest was not really even a competitive loss. And there were some compliments thrown uh, Virginia Tech's way after a a moral victory of sorts and an 11-point loss to Duke that, I mean, has aged poorly, but it was a little head-scratching at the time. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, these are these are games they should be winning. Certainly... Certainly, NC State, um, a, a team that's that's really struggled. That's their only ACC win of the year, um, just at five hundred on the season. But they're going to get another crack at NC State soon. And and yeah, this this next four game stretch, um, they, you know, you would like them to go three and one if they're serious about turning the season around. Worst case, you have to go two and two. Um, but you can't lose to BC. Yeah, three. Yeah, don't pull a Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, Three and one or better would really do a lot to to help you start to turn this season around, get you to eleven and seven, um, closer to five hundred in conference. But yeah, it's uh, you, you you look at the schedule; these are all teams that an ideal version of Virginia Tech would beat, but we just really haven't seen them on the court this season. You know, yeah, they've they've had another uh, pretty rough loss to Dayton in there too, um, and. Yeah, just have not lived up to their billing on paper and, you know, running out of time to to figure it out and turn it around because, you know, Notre Dame has has figured out in conference and, and gotten some good wins out of the gates, um, including the one over North Carolina. But Virginia Tech doing the opposite, you're dropping games left and right early. It's far easier to drop after a fast start in ACC play than it is to dig out of the hole yeah get onto the right side of the uh bubble but see if they can yeah i mean this this kind of just ties into the whole acc as a loser argument that i had or conversation topic that i had for today like duke is the only rigged team they are two and one and sitting fifth right now the top four is miami louisville who has been very mad this year notre dame and north carolina Wake Forest is up there. Virginia is kind of hanging around, although they've been unbelievably pedestrian this year. Like that is probably the only way to describe them. Clemson has shown flashes and then shown flashes of being just not a good basketball team. So I don't know what you get with them. Florida State has been wildly disappointing. Um, Like you said, Virginia Tech has been disappointing. Even NC State has been disappointing. Syracuse stinks. Pitt stinks. Like, this is the ACC, and it's supposed to be one of these power conferences that sends a bunch of teams to the tournament. At this rate, I think they deserve one, maybe two bids, depending on how the rest of the year goes. Yeah, and Virginia Tech's below Pitt and BC, too. So, like, yeah, things are not good. Things are very not good. Um, yeah, I mean, 
honestly, if if you're the league, you kind of hope that Duke loses in the ACC tournament. Yeah. Um, just to guarantee yourself two bids, because otherwise you could be sweating a little bit uh, come Selection Sunday. Like, and it doesn't matter who Duke loses to, because they'll still get whatever seed they want anyway. Yeah. So yeah. they could exactly. lose to Georgia Tech in the first round and nothing would happen. It's true. I would laugh. That would happen. Um, be great. That would be that would be fun. Good for uh, good for Josh Pastner. Yeah. Uh, I've got two more on my end. Uh, Alabama, who is playing Auburn tonight, so that may get them a win because they are just addicted to beating good teams and then losing to far inferior teams. Latest is Missouri, who sits at one forty eight in Ken Palm and. It's it's just a Jekyll and Hyde season uh, for Alabama at this point. Like I expect them to come out and and play very well tonight um, in a a close loss, if not win, against Auburn because that's just what they've done against good teams. But just I don't know if it's just finding the motivation to get up for some of these non marquee games or what. But I mean, it's uh, it, it's it's definitely a trend at this point. Um, and, and very, very concerning um, this late in the season. Yeah, Missouri is not good. <laughs> they are in the 200s in net. I think they're 203 um, as we're recording this and really haven't shown much this season that, that you look at and you think, you know what, maybe it, they played a tough schedule. There's no doubt about that. I think they deserve credit. For that, they've got you know they've got games against SMU, Florida State, Wichita, at Liberty, Kansas, Utah, Illinois, you know all these games. But really, they weren't competitive in a vast majority of them, and have a double-digit loss against Kansas City. So, this is not a good Missouri team. And then when you look at what Alabama has done this season and is capable of, you left you're left with a lot to desire from this team. So. They need to figure it out. They need to figure it out quick because you can't fall behind at this rate in SEC play, especially against these bottom teams because the top and middle of the league are so good and so competitive that you're not going to win a championship if you are dropping games like this. Yeah, and like Alabama also really challenged themselves non-conference play. No one in the Power Six challenged themselves more um, in the non-conference slate, but that's supposed to prepare you for... right games like this um you know like no reason you should be losing to missouri homer away um i just it's head scratching that you you allow a, a team to hang around like that uh, let alone score 92 points on you that's right uh, that is a tough scene uh the last one i had similar to lsu last week you know, great that you're undefeated this late in the season, um, but when you lose for the first time and look as bad as you do doing it, obligated to mention you. Colorado State lost by 30 uh, to San Diego State. Not a bad team at all, the Aztecs, um, but Colorado State gets blown out by 30, uh, shoots abysmally in the second half and for the game, and uh, really makes you question uh, this roster once you get beyond David Roddy and Isaiah Stevens. Yeah, it's – Mountain West is good. 
Like it, it always is. It's a quality basketball league and San Diego state, good team and a tough place to play. All that said with all we've seen from Colorado state this year, all we've expected from Colorado state this year, you want more than that. Even on their worst day, you can't like, you don't expect them to be losing games by 30 points. Yes. I know there's issues going on around the pro uh, around all over the place. People are sick. People aren't playing, whatever. 30 points is 30 points. Like we have Providence on the list for the exact same reasons. They were missing AJ Reeves who's one of their best players. Like this happens. You can't let it get to you. Now there's very little margin for error for this Colorado state team because they don't, they just, they have Creighton. That's their win. That is the only win they've got at St. Mary's to an extent, but now they need to really run things in the mountain West to hold on to an at large bid. I'm not saying they're in trouble, but you drop a couple more of these games and all of a sudden the questions start being asked. And because you're in more of a mid-major conference, you're going to get graded on a scale or on, on a curve, excuse me. So this is all about how Colorado State bounces back. Utah State is not an easy game either, but then they get a little bit of a breather with San Jose State, New Mexico, and Air Force. So they can bounce back here, run off four in a row. All of a sudden, they're feeling good. They're probably back in the top 25. Yeah, Mountain West is solid, and, and we saw Utah State early in the season uh, flying pretty high with Justin Bean before coming back down to earth a little bit. But I think the, the bigger issue in conference play of Colorado State, they are going against the grain in a lot of ways, but really just this is a defensive-minded league. Colorado State yeah. does not defend particularly well, and if they are going up against elite defensive teams, they're going to have to find a way to figure it out. Like San Diego State, most extreme example. But other teams in this league also defend at a very high level, particularly Boise State, Fresno State, um, and Utah State just has enough talent in general to be able to challenge Colorado State, um, you know, star power with Justin Bean, despite not having that elite, elite defensive ability some of these other teams do. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's a very good conference. I think Colorado State's going to be challenged. They did themselves a lot of favors in the non-conference, but I think there's a little bit of reality check, wake-up call, whatever you want to call it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's it's going to be tough for them to – make it through this league and, and win a championship as they certainly aspire to do. Right. Absolutely. Any other losers I left out? Yeah. I had Arkansas. Yeah. The hogs, man, the hogs, the must bus needs an oil change. It needs new tires. It needs new wipers. It needs a lot of new things. Bottom of the sec own three. They've lost five of their last six. The only win coming against Elon um, double-digit loss, losses to Oklahoma, eight-point loss to Hofstra, double-digit loss to Mississippi State, lose a heartbreaker to Vanderbilt, lose to Texas A&M, who is 2-0, but not really that good of a team. And uh, now you've got Missouri, who we really don't know what we're going to get after beating Alabama, but they need wins, and they need wins badly because they are miles and miles and miles away from the NCAA tournament at this point because they didn't play anyone in the non-conference yeah this was some uh some early patrick ewing at georgetown non-conference scheduling yeah. really really coming back to bite him but yeah like none of those are 
if we're gonna pretend such a thing exists, none of those are good losses. Um, right. And like A and M's a weird team to figure out. Like they're thirteen and two, but you know, lost Wisconsin. They um, their two okay wins are over Notre Dame and what Arkansas. I yeah. Can't count. Um, Butler. Maybe but, Butler. Yeah, but like you're really you're really having to. Uh, do some mental gymnastics to justify that. But either way, like good for Buzz Williams at least. They'll get opportunities to to knock off great teams in the SEC this season. Um, but for Arkansas, the the fall has been swift and somewhat predictable just looking at who they played to start the season. Um just impossible to to keep that pace. And yeah, like you know, we we talk about the bad teams in the SEC, um, there are still quite a few. Um, you know, Georgia coming to mind immediately, but we, we've seen bad teams in the SEC already pick up some wins. Uh, you know, Vanderbilt's improved. They're still not great. Um, yeah. You know, Missouri, obviously, getting a win. Um, Mississippi getting a win already in conference play. So mm-hmm. nothing's going to be easy for the Mossbus this year. And they are wasting a lot of these poor performances against teams that certainly at the start of the year you expected to beat. And now, I mean, anyone in the top seven or eight, I don't think you can have really any confidence in Arkansas. Um, but no. you, you got to write the ship against Missouri at least before what's going to be a very, very tough game against LSU. Yeah, three-point shooting has been abysmal, 30.2% on the year. Stop shooting threes. I mean, it's that simple. <laughs> Attack the rim. Stop shooting threes. You're 73% free throw shooting team. That's good enough to make up for any three-point attempts that you're you're missing out on here. So they, they have too much talent, too many good guards, really, um, because Jalen Williams is just about it at the forward position. But they, they've shown they don't necessarily even need good to to great big men to to win so um they they really got to figure some things out they've got I, again i like the guards they've got i like some of the pieces Note's good likes is good tony's good like th- there is plenty there but stylistically it's just not working yeah so as great as last season was uh this this season is coming up short and presumably we'll meet somewhere in the middle next year um but yeah the uh the bus is in need of some serious maintenance as yes, you alluded to not not in great shape that will do it for us this week um it's it's going to be another outstanding week of college basketball and again that is all we will be talking about uh the remainder of this season uh we are just two months away from march madness so Everything is going to be ratcheting up, and we're very excited. So keep following us on on social media, listening to the show, and we will see you next week.